None of us can fix these kids. And I call them all kids no matter what age they are. None of us can fix them. And none of us can really save them. But we can help them. That's the best we can do is help them. But we also have to help ourselves. Welcome back to another podcast of Silencing a Stigma. There are many different organizations and people that want to help with the epidemic of drug addiction. Everyone has a story and a reason why he or she wants to help others suffering. Today I want to welcome Alyssa. She's the co-founder of Not One More and dedicates many hours to the people in our community, not just those in addiction, but also their family members and friends. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you. Welcome. Hi. Hi. So, Alyssa, if you want to tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. So, um, my son, growing up, when he became a teenager, we had the issues with alcohol and smoking pot. And I thought that was all the issues that we had. And when he was about 17, 18 years old, he started to use um, Spice K2. What's up? It's synthetic marijuana. That was legal at that time, right? No. Oh, no. 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 I mean, well, they could get it from, like, the back alley grocery stores. Like on Queen Street? I yeah. Thought I saw it there was places the that they could get okay. it. And then when it became kind of out of control, they started busting the stores for it. Okay. So he was experimenting with that, and he um, actually we got him in a rehab for it. So I thought everything was fine. Life went back to normal, so I thought. And then in uh, December of 2013, Tanner said that um, he needed to go to rehab again. Um, I used to work for 911 many, many years ago, so I had dealt with drug addiction, all that kind of stuff on the phone. Um, to a degree, let me back up, not addiction, but drug addicts, calls about drugs. So I definitely thought that I knew what I was doing as a parent, and I had no idea. Anyway, we got him into rehab. He came home from rehab, and he went to a recovery house. And I got to know the gentleman that ran the recovery house, and I thought my son was fine. Like, he went to rehab. I thought he was fixed. And so then fast forward to May of 2014, he got kicked out of the recovery house and he had to come home. So he came home to my house and he said he was trying to get into another recovery house. Um, he was only 19 then. And he ended up um, taking off. He ended up taking off with some kids and uh, he was gone and I couldn't find him. And I was a mess. I was, it was bad. I did everything I could to find my son and get him in trouble. And he ended up getting picked up and he went to jail. So you said you wanted to get him in trouble. I, I, at that point I wanted to get him in trouble. I just wanted to get him locked up. He was on probation. I wanted to get him in trouble because I, I needed time to think. I needed him to be safe. And I thought jail would be safe. So he got picked up and he's in jail and I'm trying to think. And I started calling his probation officer, out of control calling his probation officer. My son was on probation then for a DUI he had gotten um, when he didn't have a license. And the DUI was alcohol. Uh, not a lot of alcohol at all. He was the only one that could drive home from that party. Um, but because he was underage, didn't matter how much, he got a DUI. Anyway, um, I remember that I saw this probation officer at court, and I apologized to him because I really was not pleasant to him and blew up his phone. But um, my son got into a program 
through the courts. Um, and during this time, uh, everybody started talking about this heroin epidemic because Pam Gay had just gotten mm-hmm. elected as the coroner. And, you know, we're, I'm talking about May of 2014, but apparently in February and March, one of her deputies came to her and said, we have a problem because by then they had already had as many overdose deaths by then as they had the entire year before. Yeah, Kyle was March of 2014. So he was right in that. Right in the right beginning. Right in the beginning, they, yeah. yes. So they um, formed a heroin task force. And I remember while my son was in jail, my daughter said to me, Mom, you have to come see the TV. And it was Pam Gay, the coroner, and it was Dave Sunday, who then was the assistant district attorney. And they were talking about this newly formed heroin task force. So the next day I called Pam Gay and actually had a conversation with her on the phone. I said, I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do, and I'm scared. And she was wonderful. We talked. That was the beginning of a friendship. And I also called Dave Sunday, and um, I got his secretary, but he did eventually call me back and ask me to come into his office. So the meeting with him wasn't going to be for a couple weeks, which was fine. In that time, I started visiting my son in jail. So I go to visit my son in jail, and I'm sitting there in the waiting room, and this woman sits down next to me, and we get talking, and she's like, why are you here? And I said, my son, and she said, she's here for her son. And um, she said, what did your son do? And I said, he is involved in drugs, and he got in trouble, and she said, my son too. And then she started telling me, she's like, it's everybody these days. And I was like, what? And she said, hey, she said, a lady I know named Lucy is having an anti-heroin rally in the city. She said, in a weekend or, you know, the next weekend Mm -hmm. or something. And she was like, why don't we go? So I said, sure. So I picked up this woman and we went to this anti-heroin rally. And there's people all over. Is that the one in the square where they had signs and everybody was on every corner? Yes, yes. Um, So, and actually, let me back up. Before Lucy's rally, there was one in Hanover that I read about. So that was the first one I went to. I went to the one in Hanover. And it was a lady that had organized it named Tracy. And Tracy had lost her son, Aaron, to a heroin overdose. And um, that was the first one I went to. And everybody was on every corner up in Hanover. But everybody's sign was a picture of somebody that wasn't here anymore. And I was just devastated. Mm -hmm. I, I, I had no idea. You know what I mean? What was going on with this? And I was mortified and I was scared. So that was my first one. So then this lady from that I had met at the jail, we went to the one that Lucy had in the city. And while I'm there, the lady that I was with said, over there on the corner, she said, that lady is Vicki Gladfelder. And that's her daughter, Kayla. And that's her grandson. She said that was her son's son. And she said, she's raising him now. She said, her son Bobby just died a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago from a heroin overdose, fentanyl overdose. And she said, she's really passionate and she wants to start something. Because I had been talking to this lady about, like, I feel alone. Like, I want to do something. I feel alone. So she said, you should talk to her. So I went home and I stalked Vicky on Facebook. (laughs) And then I finally got the guts and I sent her a message. And I was just like, here's my situation. And I said, someone told me that you wanted to do something to help other families. And I was like, I would love to do that with you. Um, And Vicki and I started talking all the time on Messenger. Then we started talking on the phone. So she had a rally in the square of Dover. And we had already been talking for 
weeks, maybe months by then. And she told me that she had researched all these different organizations. And she said she found this one in Simi Valley, California, that had been started by two moms. And it was called Not One More. And they had chapters popping up all over America. And she said that she wanted to send an application in to them and that it cost money. But that, you know, reading about it, it was going to get intense once it started. And so she emailed me the paperwork and she said, read over this. And I did. And she said, would you like to do this? And I was like, absolutely. So she filled out the application. She sent it in and we waited and we waited. And then she had her rally, which was the first time I met her. And we kept talking. And by now, you know, we're not just acquaintances. We're friends Mm -hmm. getting to know each other. And listening to her like she went through this with her son for years by herself she had nobody to turn to she said the stigma was just awful she said you know there was family members that didn't want to discuss it Mm -hmm. and just all the things that happened it was just you know petrifying for her she felt so alone so I started to see that happening with me you know, um, with my son getting in trouble. Now it was like we were kind of like the black sheep and I'm trying to explain to people making excuses for my son, Mm -hmm. you know, because my son is a good person. He has a lot of amazing qualities and what drugs turned him into was not my son. Um, But I still didn't understand addiction. You know, I'd say stuff to him like, why can't you just stop? Or, you know, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And, you know, I look back now, I feel awful about all that. But I did not understand addiction. So um, it's now about August, September of 2014, and Vicki and I get the paperwork back, and they approve us. And we're like, yay. <laughs> and she was like, how do you want to do this? And I'm like, I don't know. What do we do? And she's like, well, we need a president and a vice president. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, obviously you're going to be president and I'll be vice president. And she was like, okay, well, we need a secretary. We need a treasurer. We need a board. I'm like, what's that? And, you know, um, so we started reading all the laws and stuff that we had to do. By now I had had my uh, face face-to-face with Dave Sunday from the district attorney's office. And I had told him that I had met this woman and what we had wanted to start. And he said that was great. And, you know, the, the, the funny, not funny thing is, is Pam, Dave, myself, and Vicky, we were all such babies back then. Like, the way we saw it is not the way it was. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know. We knew we wanted to do something to make a change. But what it was, you know, Vicky and I were like, we're going to raise money and we're going to send people to rehab. You know, and then we're calling rehabs and they're like, it's 30 grand a month. And we're like, okay, we're not going to send people to rehab. (laughs) Like, we just didn't know. So um, we evolved and we evolved fast, but we evolved because the community helped us evolve. Um, Pam and Dave really put us out there. They uh, made us part of the Heroin Task Force, which is now the York Opioid Collaborative. Mm -hmm. Um, We would go to the meetings, but back then... Everybody was trying to get the word out. Everybody was trying to get people aware, awareness and, you know, preventative and Mm -hmm. whatever you could do. So we did a lot of town halls. That's what they were called back then, town halls. Um, We'd either sit on the stage and people would ask us questions or we'd stand up and share. Um, Pam had a PowerPoint that she did along with her deputy at the time, Claude. And they were just trying to, you know, get people. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a lot of families stand up and they were just, you know, people were just, lost really lost i think i actually went to their first one it was down in delta that wasn't their first one but delta was was huge i think 
I didn't go to that one, but yes, they. I think Felton. I think Felton was their and, first and, one. And really, everybody in the audience was just ignorant to the to what heroin was. I remember one person standing up saying, "I want these people out of my neighborhood," and mm-hmm. it was a very uncomfortable meeting for me because that that was right after Kyle passed away. And I remember just standing up and just randomly saying, "You're talking about my son," and people just like stared. And then the lady afterwards said, thank you for acknowledging and not being embarrassed to say that that was your son. And that was powerful. And you're right. The education clearly was not there back in 2014. Nobody knew back in, um, if I, and I have the numbers on my phone. I know back in 2013, they had 17 deaths. I think 2012, it was 13 deaths. 2013, it was 17 2014 it was 62 and it's just you know going up by then keep keep going up um it's been very very long road it's but it's been an evolution and i I still don't know everything Mm -hmm. at all you know what i mean i'm learning every day but it's definitely it's very hard with the stigma as you know Yep. But that's how we started. Um, and then along the way, um, we had and we, we found a board. We roped some people in and um, a few of them are still with us. Some of them have moved on um, or chosen a different path. Um, and then in 2000, I think it was 15. It wasn't long after we started because to that January of 2015, we became official. Okay. So official, official. Um, we had a thing at Heritage Hills. It was like a meet and greet to meet us, get to know us, ask us questions, and we'll tell you what we're all about. And this lady walked up to me and handed me the paper to be a volunteer. And she's like, my name's Mary. And she was like, I have a son that's an addict. And she said, um, his girlfriend who lost her mother has been in our lives for years. She's like, they're both in jail. I'm learning. I'm doing what I can, you know. And um, she said, I would love to help you guys. And I had said to her that we'd like to have a newsletter. And she was like, I can do the newsletter. I would just like to say publicly it's 2021 and I still don't have that newsletter. But but Mary became um, our secretary and our treasurer. And she's just, she's one of my people. She's amazing. She's powerful. And she's so, she's honest. Mary has so much going on with her son, um, and a lot of it's on the the other side, the not-so-pretty side. It's not just fighting the addiction. It's fighting what's going on in court, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, and, and looking at some sadness there. And that woman is just, she is honest. She's brutally honest, and uh, her, story's, her story is important. It's important to, to let the listeners know that in addiction, it affects the family, it affects the person, but it's not just that they're using and they're getting high. It's the legal stuff that your family has to go through. There's so much more to this addiction than just going to rehab and getting fixed. Most of them have to repair some of the things that they've done while they were active in addiction. And I'm just learning that now and they're, they're paying the consequence. So now they're getting clean and they still have to go back and deal with all that other stuff that was created while they were active in addiction. Well, um, a lot of them. So when they come out of, when they sober up, they come out of rehab, they come out of jail and then you have to face everything that happened. There's a lot of shame and it's really hard for them because you're fighting, not going back to that drug that Mm -hmm. may kill you. 
Um, and at the same time, you're dealing with picking up the broken pieces. And sometimes people don't want to pick up those pieces, especially people that don't understand about addiction. Or, you know, there's families that have been going through this for 10, 15, 20 years. And that's what their lives have been consumed by. Because it consumes you. It absolutely consumes you. I have three kids. And um, they're all e equally important. There's my youngest. But I used to tell my daughters, you're all standing on a cliff and I'm watching you, but the ground under, it's always shaking. It's about to drop. So that's why I'm always running to him. It's not like there's, you know, more important, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I've, I've actually had to step back or else deal with something going on with one of my daughters that was equally as painful. It wasn't addiction, but you know, we've gone through some stuff mm -hmm. and, you know, at, and then the stuff going on with my with my son at the same time. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. Being a parent is really difficult, especially if you have a child that's lost. And when they say lost in addiction, really, truly they're lost. They become a, a shell of what they used to be. And it's, I've had families call me and they're so frustrated and upset because they're like, I can't believe my daughter and my son's talking to me like that. And I'm like, I know what you mean, but that's really not them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's the addict and you really have to look at him as my child and the addict because the things that the addict does is not what your child would do sober. And that's difficult. And people that aren't educated on top of it, then put them down or put you down and blame you for that situation. So it, it's a whole big mess and education is key. They don't have to understand it. They never will unless they're involved in it. But to understand the addiction itself and what heroin is, because to your point, I didn't know what it was either. My son died of heroin. What the heck's heroin? I didn't know it was deadly. I didn't know the signs. If I would have known then what I know now, when his head dropped at the kitchen table the one night I was talking to him, I'm like, really? You can't keep yourself awake to talk to your mom? I would have known no signs, like not being able to wake him up. Some of those mornings, you know, or evenings, like he wouldn't, or he was forever always being sick. And I hear your story and I know my story. And sometimes, although we miss Kyle and Austin often says he wouldn't go back and change anything, I feel like it's harder to support a living person, child in addiction than, than the <coughs> way that we lost him and had to learn from it. Like I couldn't imagine the jails and uh, the rehabs and going to sleep at night wondering where they're at, especially if they ran away. Like Loving an addict is... You're basically dealing with waiting for that phone call. You're always waiting for that phone call. You know, and even when they're doing good, you always have it in the back of your head mm -hmm. that, that something could happen. But they, they're like... I don't want to call them the walking dead or the living dead, but it's, you're grieving. That's right. You're grieving a living person. Mm -hmm. You literally are grieving a living person. It's very difficult. Very. Yep. Understood. Just as much. I, I don't, I, I don't know how you feel. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I, and I, I, I don't ever want to, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't imagine but um, I, I have friends that have lost their children. And um, one who, it was the very first funeral I ever went to, his name was Dylan. Um, I didn't know his mom then, we had talked briefly, but you know how you're sitting at a funeral and everybody's in front of you. 
and you can see their body language, you know, and she just sat there, she just sat there. And then when I got to know her and I'd go to her house and we became good friends, I asked her one time, I'm like, how did you just sit there? Like, and she said, because I could look at him knowing I did everything I could. And she did, mm -hmm. you know, her story is just as crazy as anybody else's and sad and, but she did. And uh, she's a strong woman. And she said, I cry in the shower. I cry in my car, you know, um, she's like me, bunch of kids, bunch of grandkids, you know, busy, mm -hmm. like, like everybody. Yep. But, and she said as much as she misses him and she wishes he was here, she knows where he is. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have to worry about ever getting that phone call again. She doesn't have to worry about where he's at and if he's being fed, if he's hurt. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Um, so I've learned from her. I've learned a lot from Donna. Yep. And it's, it's amazing how there's so many different stories and we all share them in groups or whatever. I met you, you know, I've heard stories. We sat at the fair and heard numerous stories, different. Every story is different, but it really is a community that wants to support and help each other. How many people came up to that booth and knew seven or eight people on that board or yes. just walked by and like, you knew most of them and you knew most of their stories. Like it amazed me just to sit there and hear you talk and, and get to know them. There's so many families and you know, I think about this, there's so many different people that I've become friends with and some of them really close friends and I would have never known them if it wouldn't be for, for heroin or some type of substance. It's very, and that's what we said. Yeah. It's very, at the fair. Yeah. If you would have told me eight years ago, I'd be standing in a booth looking at parents who lost their kids, I would have thought you were nuts. Yeah. Like, not my kids. Mm -mm. You no, know? no. And I was that, I was like that. Um, I have uh, friends that lost their son. And um, he was a police officer. And he spoke one time in public. And even though I knew their story, um, what was powerful about what he said was that... Um, he was a cop for 25 years, you know, and he, um, could look at a drug, tell you what it was, tell you how much it weighed, tell you what you were dealing with, but he couldn't tell you why his son was nodding out in the back of his truck. And when he spoke and said that, um, even though I was, you know, into my journey of learning, like that was like the statement that snapped it for me about, you know, wow, people just have to understand that drugs and addiction are different. Cause you say drugs and addiction, you say drug addiction and it's an immediate turnoff, mm -hmm. you know, for people that don't understand, but it's really two different things, drugs and addiction. People don't get it. Like the addiction part of it. That's the focus. That's mm -hmm. what we're trying to get people to understand. Not even to try the drug. No, cause there's, there's social use, there's abuse and then there's addiction. And a lot of people that abuse drugs, um, they're teetering in the middle. So, you know, there's people that can socially drink. There's people that can socially do some, you know, drugs. They really can. Um, but then there's people that do it more often than they should and it's abuse, but they haven't hit that addiction point yet. And, and they're lingering right there. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot of people that I've met that, you know, said they'd call themselves a drug addict and that they don't do it anymore. And then we get talking and they're like, you know, maybe, maybe I just abused it because they don't have an addiction. Um, you know, and then there's the ones that fall into addiction and then that's, that's the ones society just can't, they can't understand at all. Like they just, 
I love when you read the comments when somebody writes something on social media and all the people that don't understand just make comments like, well, you shouldn't have done drugs in the first place. Yeah, Narcan, all oh, that. Yeah. yeah, there's always those topics. I mean, I had that one father walk past the booth and say, I'll never have to stop here. My kids know better. And I just looked at him and said, I hope not, because one in seven people are affected by this. And so you look around your family at your next family event, and somebody in there is affected by it. So Yeah. I've had some people walk by and, and say some stuff, and of course, you know, we have to, we're not going to be mean. Right. But I, I do hope, if you're not affected by addiction, which I really am shocked if you don't know somebody that has been affected some way, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody in your close family, mm -hmm. but at this point you would think that everybody has heard a story about somebody they know. And if you haven't, you are lucky. We're lucky. You're super lucky. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I want to just get in a little bit about what your organization does because I'm new to the organization. Um, and I know a little bit about, but, a lot of people probably don't know how you can help them as far as like Narcan or the different things that you do to help sure. the families and the people in addiction. So when we started, one of the things that we did was Narcan was becoming the big thing. This was back when they were trying to get the police to carry it. Mm -hmm. And then they eventually got, you know, that that's been taken care of. Um, so we started to get Narcan and we give it out to anybody that wants it. No questions asked. And how do they get that? So they can call me. My phone number's out there, 717-424-8890. Um, we have a social media presence. We have um, Twitter, which I'm awful at. And we have Instagram, which I'm learning tonight I need to do better at. Um, but we have a Facebook page. We have a Facebook page that we're very active on, and it's not one more York chapter. Um, so we put flyers up about the Narcan. We don't have an office. We have an address. Um, we used to share an office with somebody, which is where our address still is. Mm -hmm. But um, we don't have that we're just unable to sit there. We're all volunteer. Okay. We're all volunteer. We have full-time jobs, you know, lives, other children. Um, so everything is pretty much done either at our fundraisers or when we're out at carnivals and the fair, stuff like that. But in the meantime, anybody can call me, text me, and I will get that to them. And um, we also have... Um, the, well, the Narcan that we have is the nasal. Okay. So if you if you need it, we used to get the injectables, but they don't make those anymore. Everybody really liked the injectors. They don't have injectors okay. anymore. So, yeah, if you need Narcan, or you can email us at admin at nomyork.org. But if you Google us, my phone number comes up. Okay. Yeah. We're out there. Okay. Yeah. So that's available. Um, one of the things that you share with me that I think is nice, because obviously when these younger people are passing away, most of the time there's not life insurance. And so you guys give a donation we do. to that. We do. Um, and it's very unfortunate that we have to. But we wanted to help the families because nobody's prepared for that. So we have a funeral donation. It's $400. 
And if your loved one died in York County or they were a York County resident and they died elsewhere, all you would have to do is email us or call me and we will get that in, we will get that to you. We can send it right to the funeral home. So and all the funeral homes know. We've sent all that information to all the funeral homes. So hopefully they're advising the families. Okay. So your best thing for you is to um get on the Facebook or some type Google it or whatever. Um, and you can help now. Sometimes on your page you post there's beds available. Yes. Let me let me go back quick, just real quick. Okay. Um, yep. Where we have a, you know, I make fun of Mary about the newsletter, but mm-hmm. I've been working on a new website for years, probably just as long as she's been working on the, the <laughs> newsletter. So about seven years ago, I had a friend help make one on Wix because I'm not all this tech savvy. Um, and it served its purpose, mm-hmm. but to go in there and update it, I just would stare at it and get scared. Um, so we had people that volunteered and wanted to help, you know, but people, you know, they have lives, they mm-hmm. can't always do it. So, uh, we've, we're now having a website created for us by eco York and they are just amazing. And I'm so excited. This website is going to be fabulous. Good. So I keep saying it'll be out in a couple of weeks, but I really do mean that. Um, it's a little slow go right now, and that's my fault because we're a little busy, but our information will be out on that too. Okay. And that's just nomyork.org. Okay. That's the website. So what were you saying? The beds. The, the beds. beds. Yeah. yeah. So so like Colonial House and White Deer Run, they're rehabs. So they, they have uh, people that work for them that I know, and they'll text me and say, hey, Alyssa, we have two female beds or two male beds or... White Deer Run sometimes will tell me we have beds throughout the entire system, which would be any White Deer Run facility, okay. you know, that's in Pennsylvania. could be up in Allentown, out in Cove Forge, Blue Mountain. So when they get a hold of us and let us know that, we put that on Facebook with the phone number of who to contact and to let people know that there's beds available. Okay, so who, who do they call? Do you do anything like if it's the middle of the night? And somebody's struggling and a mother or father call you and say, you know, my son or daughter struggling right now, my sister, brother, do you have connections or what is the best thing for those people to do at that? Well, time they would the call the same numbers and those numbers are going to be on our website. Okay. Um, but those numbers are also out there now. If you would like look up way to run, but I have had people okay. every, you can call me anytime. And I have had people call me in the middle of the night because they'll take patients. Okay. You know, if they have a bed available, it becomes a matter of if the bed is available. Back when the um, epidemic started, the amount of beds were not a lot. They've really increased it. Everybody's really done a really good job. Wait to run. Uh, they increased their beds. Then they got another location, and now they actually, um, for a while, one location was detox, and one location was the rehab, and now they've changed it. So one location is detox and rehab for males. One location, detox, rehab for women. So, so they separated the male mm-hmm. and female. Right. And um, Colonial House, they used to just be for men. Now, Colonial House doesn't have a detox. They just have a rehab. But they have 30, 60, and 90-day programs. They're really good, too. Um, but they just, they have a, a female house, a female facility. So they have two inpatient facilities, one male, one female, and then downtown they have an um, outpatient okay. facility. 
And then you work with recovery houses and yeah. sober houses. So there's a lot in York that people just probably aren't aware of. I keep hearing that York's the center hub. It for, is. It is. Re- for York's, recovery. It's a recovery. It's a recovery town. Um, and I didn't know that. Um, so back when my son was in a recovery house, um, uh, oddly enough, the recovery house that he was in um, was called Life's Beacon. And um, his father and I, when we were married, we lived there. Not in a recovery house, but it was just in a, the house. The okay. house, you know, it was weird. And our landlord was the gentleman that owns it now and his father. So it was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, I got to learn a lot through him, Bob, that owns the house. So then my son's throwing out other names of other recovery houses. And when we started Not One More, I was like, hey, who's all the recovery houses? Cause we wanted to offer them Narcan. We mm-hmm. wanted to start to get to know them. So I have a list and more have popped up. Um, oddly enough, somebody reached out to me today. I've never heard of and here they're an outfit in Lancaster and they brought two houses here to York. Okay. So, um, I've gotten to know all the recovery house owners. Some of them I would consider friends, good friends. Um, and that'll be on your new website as well. That all their okay. information is. Yeah. That's awesome. But if you text me, if somebody texts me, um, like in my notes, I literally have all the recovery houses listed with the owner's information, their phone number, um, an email. And if it's male or female, if it's recovery house or sober house, and um, now I have it listed if they take MAT, which is medicated assistant treatment, because okay. some of them do allow that. Okay. And I can just shoot that off. See, people call me and, or text me and say, hey, do you have a list of recovery houses? And boop, I just send that to them. I have the same with detox and rehabs in my phone. But we give a lot to the recovery houses. Um, and they give a lot to us. They give a lot to us as far as like volunteers and just, you know, support. There's a lot of good people out there. Yep. One of the things Alyssa shared with me once um, through her journey, she was learning a bunch of stuff, and she's really involved. So you're really involved. I mean, she's throwing her phone number out there, and basically every time anybody needs help, she just told us, you can call me and I'm going to help. But you really dig in, and you're really passionate about it, and that's what I like about you. I mean, me and you have a funny story about how we met and how I didn't like your organization, <laughs> and, and now you're roping me into this organization, but it really makes me happy. But Alyssa, we in one of our podcasts talked about the 12-step program, and Alyssa shared with me once she was so interested in what these people have to do, you know, what they go through that you actually took a 12-step program and got a sponsor. I did. I did. I did. I got a sponsor. Um I don't know if I'm allowed to say her name. Well, you don't have to say her name. But she knows who she is and she knows I love her. So I got a sponsor and there was a a guy. I don't know if I'm allowed to say his name. But the funny thing is back when we first started, um, there was a a guy and I I think he asked me for Narcan. And I went and I met him and he was like hanging in the window of my car. And, you know, he was kind of cocky. And I was just like, and he was like, look, I'm not trying to be a jerk. He said, but I keep hearing all this stuff about not one more. He's like, and you know, some of my friends have been found like using your wristbands to tie themselves off. And I was just like, oh. you know, and, and he said to me, he got me, a, he gave me a big book, the AA book. And he was like, I think you should get a sponsor. And he said the name of this person. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll read it. And I read it. And it was like a couple of years later. 
And just things that were happening in my life, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I think I really want to do this. So I got in touch with her and she was like, yeah. And we would literally meet and go over the steps. And she just treated me like I had, and I did have issues. I mean, we all have issues. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And we believe you can follow that book for anything. For anything, you know? So I did. Um, We've never completed the steps. And um, if she's ever listens to this, maybe she'll call me. (laughs) But we we did get far enough. I mean, I had to go through like um my uh resentments and that's really hard Mm -hmm. that is really really hard and that is the step that a lot of people will relapse on and I was just like well that's weird like how difficult can it be but when she gave me these papers and she was trying to explain to me what she wanted me to do I'm telling you what some deep stuff came up that I had pushed down and to get through that was difficult was very difficult but I got through it. I did get through it. Okay. Um, what they do when they are in a 12 step program is heavy. It is heavy and it's deep and I see how it can help. Um, but I also, I also understand, you know, how people struggle so much getting through that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a wonderful program. AA, NA, celebrate recovery, whatever you choose. There's, there's many more out there, but yeah. I did. Yeah. And I have to finish, but I did. I got, (laughs) I got really far. I did get really far, but it's, and reading that book, I mean, that's worth reading. That is definitely worth reading. Yeah. And it can probably, I mean, we thought we talked about it could help anybody in their life, like the resentment and you're doing inventory and admitting that you have issues. Like, absolutely. It's really tough. But I always thought when she shared that with me, I was like, that's pretty interesting. Like, to dig in and understand steps that people have to go through. Intense. Good. Anything, Austin? No. Uh, not really. He was quiet tonight. I have something to ask him at the end of this podcast. But uh, anything else, Alyssa, you want to share? Um, we have some other programs. Okay. So we have a scholarship program called Randy's Wish. And Randy's Wish was named after Randy Crone. Randy died in um, September of 2015. So um, Randy's aunt is who Randy lived with. And when Randy passed away, she uh, met up with me. I went to his funeral. And she talked to me and she said that um, when Randy was down in uh, Florida for rehab, that he was very upset with how hard he was sharing with them, how hard it was for people to get in recovery houses, having to have money to get in recovery houses. And he was also frustrated with, um, some of the, some of the things people had to go through to get like a Vivitrol shot, you know, some Mm -hmm. financial things that can happen. And of course, a lot of things have changed, you know, over the years. But when Randy passed away, um, she called it Randy's wish. And Randy's wish was to help people get into recovery houses and help people get the Vivitrol shot. So uh, they joined with us. They're with us. And we started the Randy's Wish Scholarship Program. So if you are going into a recovery house, when you get there, we will pay the first $150. Um, You have to apply as soon as you get there through the people that own the, the recovery house. And then after you've been a resident there for two weeks, they can invoice us and then they can apply that $150 
toward, very towards nice. your balance. Very nice. And then um, people that get the Vivitrol shot, because there are some doctors, um, and the whole Vivitrol thing has to do with insurance. It gets really complicated. But there are some doctors that um, can give you a Vivitrol shot. However, um, when they go to bill the insurance company, the insurance company doesn't recognize that um, the way that they should to get it taken mm. off your insurance. So your uh, Vivitrol shot is usually covered by insurance if you have some type of coverage. However, that doctor's office visit is not. And that doctor is, you know, doing something and that's his job. So they have to charge for that office visit okay. and people have to pay cash. So, or, you know, they have to pay for it. Um, so we'll pay for that doctor appointment up to $150. So if you go to a doctor that only charges 50 bucks an appointment, we'll pay three. So it's up to $150. Okay. Total. Yeah. So that's, that's nice. That's Randy's wish. And then we, um, also with the recovery houses, we give people, um, hygiene products. Um, we do a couple drives a year to get stuff and we've been getting some really nice stuff. We've been getting a lot of bedding and stuff like that. We try to get a hold of, um, hats and mittens and gloves and stuff like that. Scarves okay. in the winter, but recovery houses call us all the time to go and they'll meet us. And then we give them all the hygiene products that we have. Um, we also have a, uh, support group. It's called CARES. It stands for Compassion, Advocacy, Resources, Empowerment, and Support. Um, Felicia, who is one of our board members, um, she came to us a while ago, um, and she always wanted to start a support group. Her son is still with us, and they struggled. Her family struggled with her son for a long time, and um, it's an amazing support group. It is. It Last is. Wednesday <clears throat> night was awesome. Yeah. I try to get there when I can. <clears throat> I don't get there a lot. Um, sadly, I'm a little busy right now, and I'll get to that because I definitely want to talk about that. But, um, no, uh, Felicia does a fabulous job, and um, Cindy, our other board member, does amazing. They They're do. Just, yeah, they, um, they just have it in them to be that person. They have a lot of empathy and compassion. They're good people. Um, so that's cares and we have it in York and it's the first third. And if there is a fifth Wednesday of the month and that is at JFT and that is 1337 East Market street, JFT is a new recovery center mm -hmm. here in York. We love them. Yes. We've started to do a lot of stuff with them. Um, before I get into that, I'll finish with cares. Um, we also started cares in Delta. So that is the first Thursday of the month down in Delta, Pennsylvania. So it's there's listeners yeah. Thursdays down in, uh, what is it, the... Delta. At the Gaudenzia in Delta, um, and it is from 6.30 to 8. The one in York is from 6 to 7.30. Um, Cindy, the one that's involved with CARES, um, her and a lady named Gina, who is basically a committee member and Gina's been on our podcast okay her and Gina. yeah Jackie Jackie's mom Gina you yeah. guys have that follow us I've heard Jackie's story Gina they started um they started a thing called family connections which I really think is going to be a big deal um family connections is uh basically a 
them taking families that are raising their grandchildren to do things. And that's just where it is now. We've, uh, we've got some big plans for it. They've got some big plans for it. They've got amazing ideas. And there's a lot of grandparents raising their grandchildren. There are. There are. Yeah. Yeah. And Vicki was when I met Vicki. Mm-hmm. But um, let me finish telling you what we have. We have memorial boards. So the memorial boards um, were started well, as soon as we started. A gentleman that used to be on our board, who's no longer on our board, um, he came up with the idea, and we would just take pictures of loved ones that had passed away, and we would put them on our board. Um, it has their year of birth, year of death, and how they passed away. Um, you know, it, uh, and it, it, we started with, I think, seven pictures on one board, and I just got to the point that I realized we can't keep up with these boards. You know, my board members were like, they're getting heavy. There are more and more of them. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to think of something to do. So we made them into banners, which I think are beautiful. We put them they up at are. the fair. Um, they had 99 pictures on them at the fair. And I have the banner that wasn't full. I have that being redone for the 5K. And I can tell you, I, I definitely have over 10 more that have requested to add I'd have to look to see that and they're beautiful they are beautiful I I, it's sad but it you know the families I love all the families that have you know shared their loved ones with us and and some of them have just given pictures that oh I just love it Mm -hmm. I just do um Michelle gave a picture of her son Kevin and he's holding a duck and it's just it's favorite <laughs> it's just so funny you know yeah. it's, it's just you know Amy has a picture of her daughter Mary Catherine petting a zebra and you know I, I said show them for who they were and and yeah. you know what was inside of them and their laughter and their love and it's just yeah they're good and and a lot of people walk by those memorial boards and and stop um, you know, Cindy will walk right out to anybody at a carnival or the fair and say, do you know somebody on the board and start a conversation with mm-hmm. them? Um, but some people, they know nobody and they just stop because they're like, wow, you know, they're be- amazed. right. Because their thought process of a heroin addict is not what they're looking at. Like they can't believe these beautiful boys and girls faces. Yep. So uh, hopefully we're helping with the stigma there. I can't thank the families enough that have shared their loved ones with us. I really can't. They're amazing. Awesome boards. Thank you. Banners. Banners. Yes, we are now. (laughs) We are now um, banners. I really can't think of anything else we do. Um, We're always open to suggestions. We have a 5K every year. Sadly couldn't have it last year, and I think that's one of our really fun events um Mm -hmm. get a lot of people to 5k the 5k is this year on uh september 11th at john rudy park and there's a lot of families it's probably over 50 families that have shared the name of somebody that had passed away from a substance abuse related that is like a celebration it's people say it's sad but it's really a celebration because everybody's there yeah talking about their family member we've participated (laughs) Every year except the first time um, we laugh. But the competition's there. It, it, it is just fun. It's great to see how many different people it affects and how many people get together. It's people a great do event. have fun. Were you there the year it rained? 
Yes. That was fun. <laughs> I wasn't that was, there for that one. You weren't there. Last year, they were in competition. Him and oh, his my. brother were running, and Austin took the wrong turn. He wasn't paying attention to the direction, and so he literally had to do part of it over again. But you still came in, like, what, fourth place or uh, something like no, that? No, it, it was farther back than that. I was, I don't even know. I was, <laughs> the person in front of me was, like, pretty far ahead, and it got to the point where I lost track of where they were because there was there's some turns there, and I I turned the wrong way and I'm passing them and I'm like, <laughs> I'm he like, knows hey, he's in trouble like, when he's seeing me. <laughs> I'm like waving to him like, anybody else come by? And they're like, no, you're the only one. I was like, shit. And I looked down over the hill and it's like, okay, now I see where where I was supposed to go and I'm I'm not I'm not going there. <laughs> so I kind of like took a detour. Yeah, it was fun because they were really towards the front. I was in the middle. And then last but not least came my aunt, which I really appreciated her coming. My mom's not with us anymore, but my aunt came in to represent Kyle. And she was the very last one. And she was struggling, but she was not stopping. Oh, and it was, just, it was just great <coughs> to see so yeah, many it was, people. It was nice. That was kind of emotional in a way, just to think about, like, everybody, everybody there for a cause. And, and you just you continue the whole thing. And you came in last, but you still did it for a cause. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. That is. Yeah, we we have a good time. Yeah, um, that's fun. Yeah. Um, as sad as it can be, you're right. It is good. It's a good day. Absolutely. People look forward to it. I do. <laughs> I do, too. I, I'm a little nervous this year. but um, So uh, we also have two bingos a year. Our next bingo is... Um, October 24th, and that's at Dover Community Center. Um, our bingos are fun. Our bingos get pretty big. Um, we have a lot of stuff that we give away. I think we do a, a good fun time. Good. Yeah, at the bingos. Um, so, I got that all out of the way about what we do. Oh, we have a volunteer program. Cindy is our volunteer coordinator. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're interested in volunteering with us, email volunteer at nomyork.org. Um, so our volunteer program, you have to fill out some paperwork, and uh, you can volunteer at the fair. Are we going to let anybody volunteer at the fair? No, uh, you sorry, that one. <laughs> I already signed up for that. <laughs> in the daytime, yes. <laughs> Um, but we have, we have volunteers, the fair, the carnivals, there's other outreach opportunities at times. Um, of course we need volunteers at the 5k. Um, I, we started a volunteer appreciation program. Everybody gets a t-shirt. I'm trying to think of other little things to give them because we could not do this. We couldn't without our volunteers, without the support. We just, we couldn't the support that we get from the community and the families. It's, it's amazing. It truly is. It is. It is. We would not we would not be here without them. So do we want to get to the part where I get sad? Um, I don't know what that part is, but yes. Vicky. Okay. So, um Do you need tissues? There's one. Um, no, I might need a cigarette. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I um I started this with Vicky, uh, who became, you know, she was first just just acquaintance and then she became a good friend. And uh, we did this for six and a half years together. Vicki found out she had breast cancer two years ago. Actually, April of 2019 is when Vicki got diagnosed. Um, I'm lying. Vicki got diagnosed, I think it was January or February, but she started 
she started her chemo in April. And um, that woman, she's a hero. She did a lot. She did a lot. We both did a lot, you mm-hmm. know, president, vice president. Um, but we did a lot. And uh, we call it nomming, not one more, N-O-M, nomming. Okay. You know, and I could have an idea at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I could text her because, trust me, she'd text me an idea at 5 a.m. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just throws stuff off each other, and it was just so funny because sometimes – she'd email me. She's like, I have an idea and I'm reading her idea. And I'm like, did she read my mind? Cause I thought of that this morning. And it was just, we were so in sync when it came to this. And, um, we worked hard. We really did. I don't usually toot my own horn, but we worked really mm-hmm. hard. I remember, um, when we did the paperwork to, we got, accepted by the national chapter but then you had to get do your own paperwork to have your 501c3 and you know to get tax id numbers and all this stuff and she would call me and she'd be like i have 47 dollars and she was like i need another 20 and i'm like i got it you know what i mean (laughs) it just sending stuff in and um you know i remember the first time we wanted to get a bag of bracelets I think the bag of bracelets cost like a hundred dollars, and I was just like, oh, "What are we gonna do? Well, how are we yeah. gonna get them?" You know, bracelets have become like one of the biggest deals that we hand out. Um, but uh, we could not believe how it took off. But I just feel like there was so many me's and so many hers, since we're on two different sides of the spectrum yep. of this, out there, and and you know, people some of the people that volunteer and some of the families that come to all our functions and that I still keep in touch with and that I'm friends with on Facebook, I I feel like I just met them yesterday sometimes, but in reality, I've like known these people for the past six, seven years Mm -hmm. and people just surrounded us and helped us. So, um, we did good, you know, with our board of directors and we built it up and I think we do a very good job. Um, we've been blessed but uh, when Vicky got cancer, she fought it hard, hard. Um, as she was fighting her breast cancer, then she found out that she had a second form of cancer, her skin. And um, she fought that just as hard. And this past February, everything just started to really go downhill. Um, I had gotten surgery on my arms, and um, I ended up being off work. So I was able to help her, which sounds funny because I had surgery on my arms, but <laughs> I, I was, I was able to, to help her. So the last six weeks of her life, um, I got to spend a lot of time with her. Um, and we already were close friends. We knew a lot about each other's lives, you know, um, telling each other secrets and talking mm-hmm. about life and stuff. But, um, um, and while I watched somebody literally slip away. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the things that she did as the president and the things that I did as the vice president, we both had our separate stuff. And then Mary had her stuff. And of course, everybody else has, you know, something. But her and I did a lot and she didn't stop doing it. She just didn't. Um, I'd get to her house. I started uh, coming to her house a lot. And I'd get to her house and she'd have stuff printed out. She had lymphedema in her arm, her arm, her right arm, and she was right-handed, and she had to carry her arm. It was horrible, and I'm like, why are you printing stuff out? And she said to me one time, please don't ever take anything away from me. I'm like, you're the CEO. I am not taking anything <laughs> away from you. You know, I'm just here to help, but I just watched her. Like, that kept her going. She wanted to do that. 
And, um, you know, she left us on a Monday, but the Tuesday before we were at her house and she was stapling, um, donation receipts to letters and she was struggling. It was bad. It looked sad to watch, but she wasn't stopping. And then all of a sudden they just dropped all over the floor and the stapler dropped and she looked up at me and she could hardly talk at that point, but I, I could read her lips and she said, I'm done. I said, okay. So then I started to do them. So, you know, what's that? Five, six days before, Mm -hmm. you know, she left us, she was still, still doing all that. So she passed away April 5th. Um, it's been life changing. Um, I lost my mom. I lost my best friend. That's the two closest that I've ever lost. I lost them both like 15 years ago. Um, and I've never seen a cardinal. Vicky would always tell me about seeing cardinals. Mm-hmm. And I never see a cardinal. Like, never. Um, and it was like after she died, there was a cardinal outside on my deck every day. And the fifth day, the thing, like, dove at me and took <laughs> off. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I, you're off to help other people. Like, I, I got this, you know. Because yep. um, I really struggled at first because I know that I have to keep not one more going. You know, but it, it has scared me to do it without her because I'll never find anybody as passionate. And, and even if I do, I mean, I hope it's I do. It, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just weird. Um, we had these bookmarks made um, for her uh, celebration of life. And I have a, a lot of the Not One More stuff in my house. I have like a little Not One More office at my house. And so the bookmarks are there. And my grandson, he's six, he's autistic, and he loved Vicky. She had an autistic grandson too that she was raising. Um, but she told me one time, she was like, I think Ryder is probably one of my favorite human beings. <laughs> and um, she just adored him. He took her flowers like five days before she died, took him up to her house, handed him to her. Um, but anyway, he gets in the bookmarks and he puts them everywhere. So she's everywhere. <laughs> I'm always taking them back and putting them back cause they're supposed to be handed out, but he'll get in the bookmarks and then he's a really good drawer. So he drew me a picture of, uh, Vicky. I have this purple picture and of a lady with glasses and she has a halo and she has angel wings and it's cartoonish, you know, cause he mm-hmm. drew it, but it says Vicky and it's the, it's right there in front of my face. So, um, the Cardinal never came back and I thought, okay, like I really wanted to see her, you know, and Mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, I got this. All right. I'll try my hardest. You're off helping other people. And then a couple weeks ago, one dove at me again and I called Mary and I'm like, did I do something wrong? Is she mad at me? Is she telling me, (laughs) you know, Mary and I just laughed because it was just weird. Um, and then, um, something happened, um, in life that, that would be something that she would know about. And, it was funny because then I thought, oh, you were just letting just me letting know, you know that you know, you know, that that's happening. So, um, I've been, uh, voted in as president. I currently do not have a vice president. Um, Mary is still the secretary treasurer. Everybody's kind of, you know, kept their spot. Um, we don't have as many members right now. Um, somebody got sick and had to quit. Um, so we are small, but we are mighty and we are really trying. We're going to hopefully soon be adding new members <laughs> and, um, we're doing, you know, 
know, we're doing our best. So I just, I just hope people understand. We don't want to ever, you know, say like, be patient. I did write be patient with us, um, for the bingo. Mm -hmm. Um, the 5k is going to be hard for me. I was always down on the field. We split the 5k in half. I did the field. I handled everything on the field. She handled everything up at the pavilions. And, uh, this year I have somebody handling the field for me and I'm obviously going to have to be up at the pavilions and I've never hung out up at the pavilions unless she'd call me on the walkie talkie and scream for me to come up for something, you know? So it's going to be really hard. And she was always the one that did the talk before everybody I was ran. Say she did the bullhorn. Yeah. And, um, you know, I found a picture of her that year that it rained and it's just a incredible like action shot of her yelling into the bullhorn. I want to get that like I want to get that like blown up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's gonna be. And she loved the five k. We we loved all the fundraisers. Everybody did, but she really enjoyed the five k. And then bingo. Um, I'm not as worried about me at bingo as I am for everybody else. I was always up front greeting everybody that came in. And I would be the one that would like set up the purses and stuff like that. And then I would just linger back there and kind of walk around the room and talk to people. She was always in the kitchen. She was the kitchen crew. And then okay. she would come out and talk to the people there. So, so my, my ladies that are working the kitchen, you know, I, I keep, we keep talking about the bingo and I get teary eyed for them because I think like that's, you know, if I walk back to the kitchen to get some food, it to me it's not going to really be eerie because she'd be in and out, mm-hmm. you know. But for them, they're gonna they're gonna feel that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it it she's a huge loss, but we are we're going to keep going. And you'll be successful. Thank you. Um, her and I had a lot of ideas. I would take her to get uh, her chemo, and I would take her to get she had therapists that work on her arm. And I would take her to those appointments and we would talk about not one more stuff, even when she couldn't talk. But she had also said to me, don't ever stop telling me stuff. So I'm like, literally like, Hey, I got this idea. Are you okay with that? Or are you okay if I do this? You know? Um, yeah. Up until she went into the hospital Friday and I took her and I sat with her in the hospital for a couple hours and I left not knowing that would be the last time I'd see her. Um, the way they were talking, she was going to get out on Tuesday. So I figured we'd go right back to this routine mm-hmm. that we had, you know, which um, was hard because I could see how sick she was. She never talked to me like she was dying. Um, her aunt came up to me. Her aunt would come over a lot and bring over food and come visit Vicky. And her aunt came up to me at the funeral, and she said she knew. She said she had made peace with everything, and she said she knew. And I was just like, okay, like, I'm not, you know, not that you yeah. want to have that conversation yeah. with anybody, but that makes me feel better. But she was ready. Yeah, I mean, we weren't ready. Well, we're never ready. No, when someone no. leaves you, you're never ready. No, and I, you know, sometimes I forget. I just forget, and then I'll see a, a bookmark <laughs> laying everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, in my house. But I forget for a minute. And I think I have to call her. I have to say something. And um, I've kept a very good touch with her daughter. So that's nice because I'll text her and say, you know, I need to implode. Can I call you? And she's like, absolutely. So, you know, it's nice that I have Kayla. And you'll have support system and and you'll make it successful for yourself and for Vicki and for everybody else. Just because you have that passion, like I've met you, I've seen it. And and I just want to share with the listeners, everybody, nobody's perfect, you know, and so you understand I, I had a problem with one of the meetings that I went to and I pretty much like 
wipe not one more off my list. Like I'm not going to support them, but I've learned, I mean, you're, you're very approachable and you listen and you care about other people's ideas and stuff. And so I just want to share with the listeners in any organization, there's so many volunteers. There's so much work that's done behind the scenes that people don't see. It doesn't just happen. You have a full-time job. Most of your people have full-time jobs. Any of these support groups, most of the people are volunteers and it, it's really a lot of time put into it. And so if something's not right, like to your point, like be patient, like there's so much that goes on. And I've learned through this experience and coming back and telling you, you know, what my issues were that you can work things out. Like there's bad experiences everywhere, restaurants or whatever. But I truly believe in all these cases, all these volunteers, all these programs, these collaboratives, that everybody truly wants the best they and do. they're doing the best that they can for that same result. And I see your group growing and I see all the passion that everybody has that I've met through your program. And it's a good thing. Like it's, Thank we're you. all trying to save these kids, our families, not even kids, adults. We're just trying to make everybody aware of what this is to save them. And you have both ends of the spectrum. You have people fighting with their family members still alive and you have people who've lost their family members and you're helping both of them equally. You know, the fact that you go to funerals just, it blows my mind. I would not be able to go to as many funerals and you care about those people just like you care about the people in the recovery houses and stuff. So me as an outsider, just learning about your organization, like I appreciate everything that you've done and you will be successful. No doubt. Thank you. It still was funny when you said, after sitting in a support group and talking with you for an hour and you said, I didn't like you guys. <laughs> you said, I said, why? And you said, why? I was at a, I was at a support group and this lady walked in complaining about her son. And I said, was it me? <laughs> and you said, no. And I said, well, then it was Mary. <laughs> and, but you had gotten to that point then that you, back then you didn't realize. I was what, uneducated. Right. What parents, what parents go through. But, yep. The funniest part is that I'm surprised it wasn't me, and <laughs> I knew it was Mary if it if it wasn't me. And I've met Mary. She's a very nice lady. Mary's wonderful. Um, but, you know, I have a lot of uh, – I just had a friend come over to my house the other night, and, and she's struggling, you know, with her child again. And she said, Alyssa, I'm done. And I said, oh, I hear that all the time, and I've said it too. I said, but we're not. You're not. You can say that to me, and yep. I'll listen because I get it. Um, you know, I used to tell people um, – Vicky and I got known as good cop, bad cop because Vicky had lost her son. So she had all that compassion mm -hmm. and she had the patience and stuff, you know, and I'm still fighting for mine and fighting for others. So if somebody would call me that, um, had a kid in need, you know, I'd be like, Oh, I'll come to your house, but I can't talk to your kid. I can't talk to your person with a substance abuse disorder. I can't do that. I could talk to you as a parent and the family mm -hmm. and tell you guys what I think you should do. And I used to say, I go to these people's houses and I can tell mom and dad and the siblings, I, I sound so smart and they want to listen to me. And I go home and I give my kid 50 bucks <laughs> or I go home and I let my kids stay at my house. You know, yep. I mean, and we're, we're not at, at that. My, I, I want to say, I'm, I'm proud of my son. I need to say that cause he's going to listen to me. <laughs> I, I am. Um, my son is 27 and he's, he's trying hard 
and, and I see how, you know, life can be a struggle for so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, he, yeah, I'm proud of you. I am. I'm really proud of him. He's a, he's a good kid. I'm proud to call him a son. And, um, well, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> no, it's it's a little shout out there. Yeah, a <laughs> yeah, little shout out. Um, but no, I think it. Uh, I think how we met and that you told me that story. I think it's almost perfect. <laughs> I do. I just. But think I, I have learned. Like I've learned the other side of it since then. I was new into it, and I was like, "How can this woman wish that her son would go to jail <clears throat> and leave so she would never have to deal with this again?" And then I'm sitting there looking at another mother, and I'm like, "We just lost our sons." And she wants to get rid of her son, like, and, and then I learned, and then I looked at it another way. And it may have been you that I was talking to that said this, there's another side to that as well. There's that first person that just learned that their son or daughter is an addiction sitting at this meeting, looking to learn anything about addiction at all, because they know nothing. And I'm sitting there talking about my son's past. And she may be like, my kid's going to die from this because that's the impression she got off of me sitting there saying my son passed away. And so now I'm the bad person because now I have a brand new person sitting in a meeting who came to learn something about something. And I'm like, yeah, my son passed away. So what she got from me is my son might not have a chance because death is the answer to this heroin. So then I learned, like, okay, I was just I think as that's bad. The way you're looking at it, though, she might not saw it like that. She may not have, but she could have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was just being that negative person as well, thinking about myself, and you know. But we worked it all out, and 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 this, the cares group is great. Like, the cares group, when they first started cares, I went to the first one. I think I went to like the first three and I was watching these families because I knew somebody I had invited that literally had just lost their child like two weeks before. Um, and, and that whole avenue of it, like I'm learning, I can't relate to them and I don't want to be false with them, you know? So Mm -hmm. I usually have somebody else handle that. But anyway, um, at cares, I'm looking at these families that have lost somebody and these families that are trying to learn and just get support and I said to Cindy and Felicia, I'm like, uh, like, should we really have them together? You know, but they were already like three, four times into mm-hmm. it. And, and what I didn't know was they were forming bonds. I was so worried about everybody's, you know, Opinion. emotional, you know, men, men, mental state. And these people were forming bonds. And, you know, here we are, what, three, four years later. And, and some of the same people that came in the very beginning and were always getting new people. And it just works. You can see it, you can feel it, and even the new people feel welcome. You yes. can be there for the first time, and and everybody understands and helps you. It, it's it, a really yes. educational. It's educational in all avenues. Because addiction, you know, when my mom had cancer, everybody was like trying to give my mom advice, and I said every cancer is different. So even though everybody's addiction story is similar, it's different. So just because you're talking to a mom who had lost somebody doesn't mean that, you know, you might actually get advice off of her to help you. None of us can fix these kids. And I call them all kids no matter what age they are. None of us can fix them. And none of us can really save them. But we can help them. That's the best we can do is help them. But we also have to help ourselves. Um, I had a mother that I had never met before ask me to deliver Narcan about a month ago. I met her in a parking lot and she obviously wanted to talk and she stood there and talked to me for probably an hour telling me her and her son's story. And, um, 
She herself had been consumed with his addiction for many, many years. And she said that she went away to kind of like reinvent herself and learn about herself again. And she said this. She said that she learned that she had to start doing things different because if he dies, she will be okay. But if she dies, he won't. And that like slapped me across the face. And I'll never forget that she said that. That's crazy that you just said that because I was sitting here waiting for a chance and opportunity to talk. But <laughs> I had a, <laughs> no, I had a question. And it's crazy that you said that because do you ever hear the, the statement or phrase that you have to put your mask on yourself before you put it on somebody else if a plane's going down? Do you ever hear that? Yes, yes, yes. So I was going to ask you as a parent and also with other kids in your life and you're committed to is not one more. How do you, what do you do for yourself to, to keep your mental state healthy, to be able to help them? How do you help yourself put that mask on you before you can help other people? Well, um, funny you should say that. I didn't take care of myself for the longest time. Did not. Um, and I actually had people like saying stuff to me, like, how are you? You know, and then it was, you know, when's the last time you got your hair done? And I thought, Oh my God, I must look horrible. <laughs> and then I started to realize that I was like frumpy. Like I was really frumpy. I stopped putting makeup on. I stopped caring about dressing up or not that I ever was a huge dresser upper, but I stopped caring about, you know what I mean? Cause I was so, yeah. so that was part of going through the steps. That was part of the going through the steps. Mm-hmm. And I started to feel better about myself and kind of reinvent myself. Um, this past year, um, when I was taking care of Vicky, um, I really let myself get lost in everything that was going on. And I um, got on the scale and I about died. Because I, even though I've always been overweight, I was, yeah. So anyway, I hired a personal trainer. And he's amazing, Matt. And <laughs> he is, um, I love talking to him. I, I, I'm 52 and this is my third personal trainer and it's probably like the 1,559th diet that I've been on, but it's completely different. Like I used to be afraid to go to the gym because you want to look okay and I don't care. And Matt is a good looking man. He's married. So, you know, I can say that, um, (laughs) he's, he's just a good, and he's a good person. He's a really good person, but he doesn't make me feel weird. Like he could care less. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I care less. This time it's about health. Um, In the past year, I've had four operations. I had both of my knees replaced and I had some elbow stuff done and I had a... um, Rotator cuff. Rotator cuff. I had a torn rotator cuff. That's a lot of surgeries. And literally 365 days I had four surgeries. But the knees thing, to be 52 and have to get your knees done... When they got me out of bed after the surgery and they were making me walk down the hall, you could tell that my, I think one of the girls came in the room and she said something about my, the way my bandage was. And she said, I I said, oh, did you know I got my knee replaced? And she said, well, that's the bandage. You have the knee replaced bandage. So when I went out in the hall, anybody that I saw walking, I knew that they had the same surgery. Well, there was people older than me cruising the hall. And I was like, oh, have they been here for days? And they were like, no, they just got it. And I'm like, what? And they said, the younger you are, the harder the recovery is. Well, then I was livid. And I felt like, really? I did this to myself. So I do take care of myself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Matt's taught me, like, instead of dieting, he basically tells me if you can pull it out of the ground or kill it, you can eat it. <laughs> Plus a half a cup of rice a day. Um, so I kind of live by that now. You know what I mean? Like, really? I stopped and take, yeah, I stopped and taking care of um, myself. And I try to exercise and I try to get out and I try to make sure that, like, my clothes look decent or I try to stop and smell the roses. Doesn't always happen. But with you saying that, um, there's a ton of families that I talk to and they don't, you know, I, I talk to families and I'll make some statement like I, you know, here's what I, every Tuesday I go to the gym or whatever, um, and meet Matt and they're just like, you know, I haven't taken care of myself. And, and then I say like, Oh, I tell them what this lady said to me that I met Mm -hmm. in the parking lot. Um, and then I just tell them like, you have to, I wasn't thinking about the fact that I had to, but you really do because you wake up one day and you're so lost. I used to not sleep. My eating was off. You know, I stopped caring about TV. So I like pick shows to watch and pay attention to. I mean, you just have to because you can get so lost in their addiction that you don't even, you don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. You don't, you get addicted to their addiction. Good answer. <laughs> Anything else? Um, I was w- I was actually hanging out with a, a buddy of mine that I haven't seen in a long time, and we were talking about this podcast. And he was trying to remember what he said. He made a a, a statement to compare what the addiction was like to poison ivy. He said, "When you get poison ivy, you feel like you have to itch it." Like addiction, you have that itch. And as soon as you scratch it, you want to scratch it more. So like using, when you use, you want to use it more. So I thought that was really cool of him to compare the two. That does make sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And you can almost go as far as like almost getting it because like when you, some people, if you're not familiar with what poison looks like, they look like multiple plants. So if you go in, you can almost go as far as saying if you don't know what that drug is, and the effect of it, you could almost get poison ivy or get the the symptoms from that drug to make you want to itch even more. And you can't like, so I thought that was cool that you compared that is, those two. That's a very good comparison. So and it's, it's things like that that you have to use with people that are uneducated yeah. to get them to. I thought that was cool. Yeah, you ha- you do. You have mm-hmm. to come up with little analogies to get people to understand. So shout out to him for. Yes, for absolutely. He said I could use it. So. Okay. I'm going to yeah. use it. No, I'm just kidding. You I can. Use it. You can. Is you it can. Copy, is it, it copyrighted? It makes sense because that, that's how people relate to that kind of stuff that aren't educated at all. Yeah, no. I thought that was cool. Yeah. No, they don't. You have to find little simple things to explain it, and I really like that one. Yep. I really like that. Yeah. So do I. Okay. Well, thank you, Alyssa. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, this was great. It's a great organization that you're thank a you. big part of. And so thank you for all the help that you've given, all the families that you've given so far and will continue to give. So Thank you. Yep. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank Before you. we end this podcast, though, this is not related to Alyssa, but Austin always puts me on the spot. For this might get cut out. I don't know what it's for about For different things, but I just have to ask because several people have asked me, what does it mean when you put on Facebook that you feel free? <coughs> Okay, so this was probably, what, last week? I think so. So lately I've been going to visit Kyle lately. 
Oh, now he's going to make me cry. I'm trying to be a smart ass too, but now he's going to bring this up. So when I, when I visit him, it's, there's no, nothing that I worry about or nothing. And Explain. Dylan came in the other day. Explain. I, I can't. I told, you just sit there? I told, I told Dylan, he came in the other day and he asked me after I posted it. He said, what do you mean by you feel free? And I said, it's unexplainable. You so just feel free. You sit there and talk to him and feel free? No, it's, or it's you're just, just, you go there? You know, I don't have to go there to feel it. I just. But when you're there, it's. It's indescribable. Okay. It's like a, it's like a sense of peace, peace of mind. Well, that's fair because people were worried. Somebody called me and says, Austin, okay. And I'm like. About what? I'm like, I guess he's okay. And they're like, well, he said that he's free. And like, what does that mean? Was he like. Dylan thought I was like putting my body out there. <laughs> like I'm free. I'm like, no, like no, I didn't think that. Okay. That's fair. But it's so you like I said, it's, it's undescribable. And also you take it however you want to take it. Yeah. Okay, cool. But you're okay. I saw, I'm calling him out. I said, I don't know what he means by that, but he calls me out on podcast. So I'm going to ask him. What do you think it was? I didn't know. Like I really didn't know because you read books and your mind's always gone. And I was like, He's free from something, and I'm glad he's free from something, but I didn't know what it was. It's free from life. Good. Awesome. Okay. What else right. you got to ask That's me? That's it. Let's end this. Till the next time. See ya. Well, first of all, I want to say thanks, Alyssa, for coming on. Thank you. I uh, Thank appreciate you. what you're doing for the community. Thank you. And uh, I'll be at the walk September 11th. <laughs> so I hope everybody else is there too. And you can, if you're not pre-registered, I know it's all over. We've, we've posted it on Sciencing a Stigma. If you're not pre-registered, you can register that morning. Yep. So. We'll see you guys there. Yep. Thank you. Bye. See you. Rain, or, rain or shine, right? Rain or shine. Yep, got it. All right, All right, it. thanks guys. Bye.